Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Good? Okay, that's better. <laughs> okay. So this evening, we are going to continue with what we started on the purpose-driven life. The purpose-driven life. And we discovered on Sunday that people are driven by all kinds of things. People are driven by religious expectation. People are driven by family expectation. People are driven by money. Uh, People are driven by societal um, expectation. People are driven by peer expectation, what their peers expect of them. People are driven by personal ambition. But we must be driven by what? By our divine calling, which is God's original purpose for creating us. The reason God created us. That, will, that must be the number one reason why we live. That must be the reason why we exist. And we looked at Exodus chapter 31. And verse 1 to 6, we looked at Bezalea. Let's put up that scripture, Exodus 31. Let's put up Exodus 31. Let's read from verse 1 to 6. Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter... 31, we're going to read from verse 1 to 6. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hor of the tribe of Judah, and I filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. Verse 4, to design artistic works. To design artistic works. Now, it's important for us to understand that what God, and this is where I really want you to focus tonight. What God anointed him for was not to preach. That's important. You see, because most of us, we always relate the anointing to something that has to do with just the gospel. Now, I said on Sunday that the primary purpose of every child of God is to know Christ and to make him known. That's the primary purpose. But then this is what I'll call your secondary purpose. And I said, your secondary purpose is your um, interface, the way you interact with the earth. Now, I want you to find out, go, go back to verse 3 for me. Verse 3 says, And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and look at, in all manner of workmanship. Now, if you look at that, if you say, I have filled him with the Spirit of, with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, they look like, uh, they are not, not that they look like, these are spiritual things. You, so you can say, the Spirit of wisdom is upon you, the Spirit of knowledge is upon you, the Spirit of understanding is upon you, right? So these are spiritual things, they look like eternal things. But look at what he says again. He says, and in all manner of workmanship, that's not spiritual. 
Right? That's not spiritual. Okay? In all manner of workmanship. Okay? Now go to the next verse. Verse 4. It says, To design. Okay? This is not prophetic discernment now. This is natural. Because it says workmanship. To design what? Artistic works. That means, if this guy called Bezalel was designing an artistic work, you are going to notice that there's something about this guy. When you see his works, you just observe that, no, there's something extra. Every artist would have gone to school to learn art, but there was an anointing on this man for artistic designs. So it is important for us to understand what area in the natural that we have been anointed for. What area in the natural? You know, there are certain people that will teach you. You know, when they finish teaching you, you get confused. It was when they say, do you understand? Instead of you to, to prevent further confusion, you say it is clear. It's not that it is clear. Because you know that the, the more they teach, the more confused you are. Why there are certain people that will teach you? And you will understand it. Right? There are certain people that will teach you mathematics. You fall in love with mathematics. There are certain people that will teach you English. You fall in love with English. You could sense that there was something about this man in teaching. And so it says... To walk in gold, in silver, in bronze, verse, verse 5, in cutting jewels for setting in, in carving wood, and to walk in all manner of workmanship. And indeed, verse 6, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahishamach, of the tribe of Dan. Look at this. And I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans. Look at this. God is saying, listen, there are gifted artisans in Israel, this tribe. I have put wisdom in their hearts for this assignment. Look at this now. That they make all that I've commanded you. That's the tabernacle of meeting. So, God wanted them to build a physical tabernacle of meeting. You know what God did? God anointed artists for that purpose. And that's, that's, what, that's the real aim of this message. That there is something in the natural... That the Lord has anointed you for. Now I give an example. I give an example on Sunday. In as much as I teach, I don't like teaching children. I don't think I'm anointed to teach children. Okay? But there are some people who are even older and they enjoy working with children. They will roll on the floor. They will, you know, laugh with the children. They will jump. They will do, I will not do that. Alright? They'll try to do everything to get their point across. No, the only way I'll get my point across is by explaining it to you. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, you've discovered that such people in the classroom will be anointed for that purpose. There is an anointing that comes upon your life for a specific assignment on the earth. And that anointing, if you pursue it, will bring not just only fulfillment, but success. Now, I use the word fulfillment first. Because it is possible to be successful in the world's term and you're not fulfilled. That's why you see certain people will earn a lot of money. At the end of their life, they'll say, I want to go and do what, is, what makes me happy. You know? Or you hear that somebody resigns after earning a lot of money and decides to just go work or do something. You know what? That yearning, that anointing in you cannot be satisfied by money. It can only be satisfied by executing it. That's only what brings satisfaction. It is when you execute it, you are satisfied. 
Right? You're not satisfied because you have money. You're satisfied because that thing, it's done. You, you are happy doing it. You're excited doing it. So I was explaining, um, in Philema Church, I was telling them, I grew up loving two things. I grew up, I, I, I talked a lot. I, not somebody who is physically strong in terms of, you know, growing up, number one, you're a pastor's child, and then you're a teacher's child. Those two combinations will make you lazy. Because if you fight in school, <laughs> you're a bad example to the other students. If you fight in the streets, you're a bad example to the church. So you are restrained by death <laughs> not to fight. And you don't get strong without fighting. You understand know what I'm saying? It is in the process of beating and receiving beating that you develop the art of fighting. So I was only on the receiving side, you know. And because of that, I could talk a lot. I could talk a lot. And then I also like traveling. I just like traveling. You know, if I was sent on this way, instead of going on the straight road, I'll go around all the bush paths. I just like that adventure. But coming up in this part of my life, I now discover that those two things are very powerful combination for the teaching ministry and my traveling ministry. So the love deep within, I know there are people that don't like to travel. I like to travel. Okay? Now, that love to do this, that desire, that thing on my inside is directly connected to my teaching and traveling ministry. Now, I'm not saying now that if you love to travel, you know, I say the Lord has not called me to travel the nations. <laughs> do you understand? Now, it might not add up. It might not necessarily add up. You might love something that the Lord has not called you for. Is that okay? I'm just using myself as an example. That I find out these two things add up. So you discover that everyone is uniquely created. David said that in Psalm 139. So in fact, that song, we, we, we sing it. I've forgotten how they sing it now. But I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and all that. He was talking about the creation of man. How man was crafted in the inward parts. How man was, Paul says, from my mother's womb, I was called to be an apostle. Acts chapter 9, verse 36 to 43, you find out there. And Jeremiah, Jer, um, Galatians 1, 5, sorry. Paul says in Galatians 1, 5, you set me apart from my mother's womb. In Jeremiah chapter 1, 5, it says, before I formed thee, I ordained thee to become a prophet to the nations. Meaning that when God was forming you in your mother's womb, he was forming you with your purpose. So when Jeremiah now said, our Lord, I'm a youth. God now said to Jeremiah, do not say you are a youth. Why? Because you're looking at your, um, your, your physical stature to determine your purpose. And you're wrong. Because it is in your formation I gave you your purpose. So there's nobody without purpose. Your purpose is not to be... Uh, you don't have to craft it. It's there already. When you were born, you were born with it. Are you following what I'm saying? When you were born, you were born with it. Now, I'll give you a practical example between myself and my younger brother. Now, my younger brother does a lot of uh, music. He plays music. He does worship and all that. Now, there's a six-year gap between myself and him. So, when my dad was starting the church, just like every pastor's child, uh, you know, choir, you always have issues with them, drummers getting angry, living and all that. So, my dad said I should go learn the drums. So, I learned the drums a bit. I felt, oh, no, guitar is it. So, I started learning the brass guitar. All my fingers. <laughs> I was bleeding with my finger. I said, no, it's piano. I started learning the piano. I learned all instruments and perfected none. Until, out of frustration, they said, okay, don't learn anything again. Just go and sit down. But my younger brother, I can't remember 
learned. Now, I was paid. People were paid to teach me these things. But I can't remember when my younger brother was learning. I just, maybe just realized the guy plays the keyboard. Now, it's very clear that I was not crafted for music. Now, you will never find that guy preach. You will never find him. If you say, come and take opening prayer, he's behind the cameras. So, you discover that everyone... And listen, we say these things as if we know them, but if we're not careful, we now get into the competitive mood when we see people in the area of their purpose. So I see this guy doing what he's anointed to do so much, I begin to get jealous, I begin to get competitive, not realizing that this man was anointed for that purpose. I remember, well, this is just me. Now, I'm not saying you should do that. But I remember walking into the chemistry class. I've said it many times. And... uh I had 11 questions. I knew only one. <laughs> so I told my teacher that day, this is the last time I will offer chemistry for the rest of my life. You know, physics class, I struggled. But I realized that when we had literature class, they will tell us these are the novels we are going to read the next term, right? I'll re- immediately my novel is bought. Sleep would leave my eyes. I would read before the school term starts. I finish the novel. I'll remember everything in the novel. It was just, somehow, you discover that this is what you're crafted for. Listen, never push your life and your destiny against your original design. You will struggle. You will struggle. And at the end of the day, you will have to come back. There is a design. It wasn't that I was dull. Absolutely no. But it's just that, maybe I wasn't designed for all those calculations and all that. Okay? Now, <laughs> funny thing about maths, I don't know how it, but I remember when they used to give us maths homework, the first thing I did, I went back to, I looked at the back of the, you know, the, the new general mathematics, looked at the answer, the answer was two, I had to find a way to get to two. <laughs> you know, that was just, um, that was the most brilliant part for me. And there are guys that would, ah, just, they enjoy mathematics, I don't know what they enjoy in it. But you just discover that those same guys give them a history book. They are struggling to remember the dates. You understand? They are struggling to remember the event. Meanwhile, you are just reeling the dates, reeling the event. It's as if you were there when history happened. What's happening? You're wired differently. We must never get competitive. We all have a different purpose that the Lord has called us to. Why we admire and we can be inspired by what other people are doing, we stay comfortable with what the Lord has called us to do. Amen. Okay, so, get Sunday message. Reasons people do not fulfill their purpose. I'll give you nine reasons. And these are not... Number one, ignorance. So let's have our reasons. Number one, ignorance. The first reason people do not fulfill their purpose is ignorance. No, this is not what I wanted. You've given, given away my message. Put it, take it, make it blank. Nobody will listen to me anymore. Just make it blank. I wanted one at a time. <laughs> now, ignorance. Okay? So, ignorance. The first one is ignorance. Now, this ignorance can be two ways. Number one, some people don't know that they were created with a divine purpose. Okay? They are not even aware that they were created with a divine purpose. Number two, some are not aware. They know they are created with a divine purpose, but they are not aware of that purpose. Do you understand it? Some people don't know that they are created with a divine purpose. That's a set of ignorance. The second set is, okay, I know, but I don't know what my purpose is. Follow me tonight. Are you with me? 
Do you understand what I said? So the first set, they don't even know. They just leave. The second set, they have a sense, but they can't lay their hands to say, okay, this is it exactly. So ignorance can prevent people from fulfilling purpose. Thank you. This is better. Number two, <laughs> number two selfishness or short-sightedness. What do I mean by selfishness or short-sightedness? Your purpose will have to influence others. And some people are just like, fine, I'm good with my life. I don't want to do something that will affect other people. It's just fine. I'm just okay. Me, my family, and I were excellent. Okay? So, selfishness or short-sightedness. They are just looking at themselves. I'm just fine. It's just about me. Listen, it's easy to get comfortable in your zone without fulfilling purpose if you're just looking at yourself. Okay? So, this is one of the reasons people do not do what? Fulfill purpose. Number three. Number three. Money. Number three, money. Okay, so this can happen in two ways. For some people, they don't fulfill purpose because they have money. They are already comfortable, so they don't see the need to stretch. And some also don't fulfill purpose for lack of money. So because there is no money, they just say, oh, no, there's no money in this thing. Why do I do it? And I found that, I'm sorry, I might be wrong. Please forgive me. But I found out that most people who are teaching in schools are teaching because there are no jobs anywhere else. And do you know that that will affect the children? Hey, come on. Do you know that will affect the children? Because they just see the children as, I'm here just to collect my money. I don't care whether you know this thing or not. And you know what that happened? That is what is destroying our educational system. Because you now discover that children go to private school where they will say, in this school nobody fails. Even when the children fail, what happens? They promote them. So, on the part of the educational, or what? Yeah. The owner of the school, she, he doesn't care if the children knows the thing. What the, the, the owner of the school just wants is what? Promote them and pay me. That's money. So, and what's supposed to be the essence of education? That they learn. And then, the owner of the school just wants money. So, promote them. The teacher of the school just wants money. Pay me. The guy is not teaching. They are promoting. And finally... When they get to um, whatever class they need to write exam, they say, don't worry, we have special center for the foolish ones you have brought for six years. They give them special centers. They give them teachers to write. Do you understand? We don't care if these children can defend their certificate. It's none of our business. Just pay us the money. And before you know, they get to the university, they start blocking lecturers. Before you know, they want to get a job, they start blocking people. And at the end of the day, you have graduates who cannot defend the school they went for. Why? Because of money. But imagine someone who set out and say, I'm passionate about children reading. I'm passionate about correcting this. And raises a school for that purpose. When you come and say, hey, take this money and promote my child. you tell you, no. Your money perish with you. I want this child to learn. You see, so the lack of purpose will affect everything about our society. It's the same thing with um, churches, if you are not called by God to plan a church, all you are interested in is let the people just come. Teach them whatever they want. If they want a comedian from the east, bring it. They want uh, entertainment, bring it. Whatever they want, just give them. Just let them show up. On Sunday, they drop the offering. We are fine. You will not be concerned about if these people's life are growing spiritually or not. Number four, number four reason why people do not fulfill purpose, laziness. Laziness. 
How many of you know that the Bible warns strongly against laziness? <laughs> Do you know that? We've talked about that before. Go listen to our message. Overcoming laziness. The scriptures is against laziness. Two things that you'll find in scripture is against. We don't preach so much. We preach a lot of laziness. But gluttony also. The scripture is against gluttony. Eating too much. <laughs> you know some people they will eat. They will even tell you, I don't play with my food. <laughs> okay, let me leave that. That's a very sensitive subject. I want my church to grow. Okay. So laziness. They are too lazy to put in the demands for their purpose. Even though God had anointed Bezalel with the spirit of God to do artistic designs. He's, he has to still go get the wood. He has to still go cut the wood. Remember we are talking about the Old Testament. So we are not talking about when they were machines. How many of you have ever read about... Uh, which people do sculpture? Is it Benin guys? Is it Benin? Benin, yeah. Have you seen all those guys, how they do their sculpture work? Have you ever seen an ancient Benin sculpture? It's sculpture work. You'll be amazed at the diligence to carve those things. There's something in them for it. Or when you go and see poetry, um, those, sorry, those pots in the West, how those things are made with diligence. There's a level of um, hard work that is needed to fulfill your God-given purpose. You find a study, a, a pastor who don't study, he's going to come and, you know, start preaching to you. You know, in January, God is going to bless you. I say, God is going to do it in February. I say, we repeat it in March. He's going to do it in April. In May, you'll be surprised by God. Why don't you just say, God will bless you for the 12 months of the year? It's just summarize that. But he needs to mention all the months to buy time. You understand that? So there is a, a level of hard work that is needed for your purpose. You must put in the efforts. Grace does not exempt hard work. Grace empowers hard work. Paul says, the grace of God, but I labor more than you are. Not me, but the grace of God. Come on, how many of you know Paul wrote to third of the New Testament and most of the letters were from prison? And when um, Timothy was coming to see him, what did he tell Timothy? Bring the parchments, bring the books. He was reading in prison and writing in prison. Yet this is the man that says, the grace of God, not me, but the labor. If, if we were waiting for just the grace to write the New Testament, we wouldn't have the New Testament. And don't forget, in those days, they were not traveling by flights. They had to go on shipwreck. They, go, they were on ship that had shipwreck. They were on horseback. They walked miles and they still produced this book. And you see some of us... We are on flights, we are on everywhere, and we can't produce nothing. Now, I was telling them in Finema Church that I found out that Bonny Island can make you either lazy or hardworking. Number one, I'll give you why it can make you lazy. Number one, television is almost free. It's 1,000 a month. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> television is 1,000 a month. There is, you can buy AC even in your bachelor house. Light is constant. So once you can manage to pay your rent, 50000 for six months, and you can manage to do your subscription, 5000 naira for five months, and the AC is there, and you can manage to eat, what more is there in life? You have arrived. You have, you have, what are you struggling for? You just on the TV, from Telemundo to Z-World to whatever you want to watch, Champions League. You are just there, just cool. After all, at the end of the day, you see somebody who will support you as brethren. 
Why are we brethren? Why are we children of God if we cannot help one another? But meanwhile, you can decide to take advantage of it. To say, hey, I'm going to stay up to read in such an environment that even after reading, I'll be able to catch a good sleep. And I was telling them, which I'm saying to you again, if you were out there where they haven't seen light for two weeks, and you put on your AC, your light bill goes to 6,000 a month, you'll be using hand fan. Even when there's light, say they want to put it, don't touch that AC. You will unplug it. There's a level of comfort we have on this island that can either make us lazy and never fulfill purpose. Or we can take advantage of it and do what? And say, hey, this is our opportunity. We'll go for it. So laziness. Number five. Marriage or family can make you not to fulfill purpose. Now, this is a bit sensitive, but it's true. You see some people very active. Oh, we are going to burn for Jesus. We, we will burn for him until there's nothing left. Just fire. <laughs> and then they got, they got married. What you now see is arches. They're not burning anymore. The children have come. They are just, they just settle. Or sometimes you get married to someone who doesn't really agree with the area you're called into and then there's a redirection. And that's why it's important that also when, for young people, when you're discussing marriage, if you read my book, Love, Lost and Lies, I talked about it there, you must talk about your purpose. You must talk about this is what I sense God is going to do. And when you get married, each partner should help the other get their purpose. I think sometimes we have a one-sided message in the body of Christ. And what's the one-sided message? That the woman is called to help the man. But the woman is called to help the man, not at the expense of the woman not also fulfilling their God-given purpose. Because you see, everybody was created with a purpose. And they were not created with a purpose so that their own purpose will stop where your purpose starts. Do you get get what I'm saying? They are to help you, but also as the man, you should be able to look at your wife and say, hey, which area, what can I do to empower my wife to be able to fulfill also the purpose of God for her life? So, I put marriage, then I put bracket family. (laughs) You know, Jesus was able to handle his family very well. You know, at the point he was preaching, uh, the mother came and told the ushers that they should call him. You, you know when you read Bible, that's how I think. I read Bible and I think the way it is. Do you understand? It's like me preaching now. My mother comes and tells Tony, hey, go and call pastor. And those guys, oh, man, they just went to Jesus. Yeah, your mother is outside. I, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand it. Jesus now said, <laughs> if you have said that to my mother, my mother will, will give you a hard knock in the altar. You forget all the messages you have ever preached. He says, who is my mother? <laughs> my mother will say, me. <laughs> he says, who is my mother? Who is my brothers? But they that hear the will of the Father. Those are the challenges Jesus had to overcome. In fact, although we don't have this written in scriptures, but um, theology history has it that Joseph died at uh, quite an early age and Jesus had to take responsibility for the family as a first child, which means he had to do carpentry for a while before he got into ministry. But we don't have those accounts in the scriptures. But remember at the point... The brothers came to him and said, they don't perform miracles in secret. Go to Jerusalem. If you want to really see, if you say you are called, called people, they don't do miracles here. They perform it in Jerusalem. Jesus said, my time has not come. And then later he went. Those guys would have destroyed him. So sometimes you say, this is what you sense to do. And your family say, no, they're not going to do it. And I gave a very simple example. You know, when, how many of you watch National Geographic channels? You watch that? Okay. I don't want to mention one other one. I know for some of you it's constant. You just leave it there. Don't, even when you are sleeping, your spirit is watching. Okay. 
But when you watch National Geographic, you just see some guys that they are pursuing leopards. They want to find out how leopard sleeps at night. You know, for developed countries, it's fine. They just, they find satisfaction. You know, if you are here now, you now go home and say that you feel that your purpose is to find out how leopards are sleeping at night. You know, you won't come back from the village. <laughs> While you are talking, they will just tell people, say, buy two shen, two, two. Send your both legs to the doorpost of the house. It can't be your purpose. And that's why you find that in our own part of the world, we are never productive. Because we never take risk. We just want... Even some of you watching the channel, you feel sorry for the man. Say, what is this man looking for? <laughs> come back. You know, have you... You need to watch natural people. Say, stop, come back. It's okay. We have seen the line. It's okay, okay. Close the channel. Why? Because... We are so conservative. We don't want to move. You cannot fulfill your purpose. I'm going to the next. You cannot fulfill your purpose if you have fear of the unknown. Listen, you're going to start things that you don't have precedence for. Like nobody has ever done this. But if it is wired in your spirit, you have to give it a try. And that's risk. We will never fulfill our purpose. Without what? Without conquering fear. That should be number seven. Without conquering fear. Okay? We need to conquer fear to be able to do what? Fulfill purpose. Number six will be willful disobedience. There are people who know their purpose, but they just say, no, I don't like it. I don't want to work in it. You find this a lot for, when people are called into ministry. You see some people called into ministry and they say, no way. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Pastor, ah. You know, I hear a lot of ladies say that. Ah, I will not marry a pastor. Ah, I cannot marry a pastor. I cannot marry a pastor. And they ended up marrying pastors. And you know, God has a way of doing all that. They say, ah, I cannot marry a pastor. I cannot marry a pastor. Then God makes them marry an engineer. And five years down the line, or marry a doctor, five years down the line, the man now says, um, I think God is calling me. He no, no. We didn't sign that. God said, no, it's not what you signed. It's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know? So you, you find out. But sometimes you just find some people know their purpose, but they willfully don't want to get involved in it. Number eight. Friends. No, seven is fear. Go to seven. Seven is fear. So I've dealt with fear. So I did seven and went back to six. So number six is willful disobedience. Number seven is fear. That's what I dealt with. I was talking about the National Geographic guy. Number eight. Friends. Friends who are not thinking in the same way. So for instance, if you have friends who don't believe in certain um, areas, okay, you find, that's why I discovered that most times, especially for instance, let's take young people who are choosing subjects in school. Most times they gravitate towards the direction of what their friends are choosing. They might not even look at themselves, okay? Just the fact that I'm not in that class with my friends. Uh, <laughs> you know, I remember when I switched from chemistry and I was going to the social, social sciences and arts class, my friends used to tell me that, ah, look at you. People are staying with engineers and doctors. You are going to stay with typists. <laughs> you know? And it was very embarrassing. But you know, because of that, I can feel so ashamed and force myself into a circle where I am not supposed to be. So, you, you see, you must have friends who believe in your purpose, who also celebrate your difference, knowing that, listen, you are called to this, I'm called to this, I mean, it's fine doing what you're doing, um, I'm also fine doing what I'm doing. So you must have friends. Your network must believe in your purpose. If your network do not believe in your purpose, you will never fulfill your purpose. We're looking at reasons why people do not fulfill purpose. Number nine, fame or popularity. 
Some people just want fame or popularity. They'll bring, they'll do anything to bring them fame. If it will not make them popular, you will, they will not do it. How many of you know some of the things that God has called us to will not make us popular? I wrote an article long time ago. I'm going to do a video on it. It's called, What About the Villages? And I looked at the life of Jesus, how he also went to the villages to preach. How many of you know that some village pastors will never be known? Hello? You know some village pastors will never be known? You know, <laughs> we, we just did a change of our church name. And now we answer Kingdom Development Christian Center here, but we just registered another name, Kingdom Advancement Christian Center. And the reason we, we did that, because our churches in the villages, people were thinking they were NGOs. They usually associate development with NGOs. So people will come, and you know, so we have to do that. There are villages you will not even print flyer, because the people there don't even know what the flyer is. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Does that mean that God has not called people to reach those people? God has. But if the pastors or the people called to do that, are saying, no, we want to be in the city, we want fame, we want popularity, what will happen? They'll never go there. So we must understand that not all the things that God has called us to we bring fame and popularity. If we pursue fame and popularity, we might walk out of God's purpose for our life. What about a woman who just feels, oh, I'm called to support my husband, be at home, take care of the children, just make sure the home is fine. She might never appear in a Forbes magazine. But does that mean that that woman is not fulfilling purpose? Yes. But that, that same woman can look at a career woman and say, hey, that's where I want to be. So there, there's a balance here. We must understand that people are wired differently. People are called differently by God. And we must be comfortable. We must not seek fame. We must not seek popularity. We must only do what God has called us to do. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 7 to 8. So uh, while you're opening Second Timothy 4, 7 to 8, I'll run quickly through the things I mentioned now, just in case you don't have your list correct. Reasons people don't fulfill purpose. Number one, ignorance. Selfishness or short-sightedness, short vision, uh, money, laziness, marriage or family, willful disobedience, six, seven, fear, eight, friends who are not thinking the same way, number nine, fame or popularity. Uh, I'll just add something here. It's not, I didn't write it, but I just thought of it now. Religion can also make people not to fulfill purpose. When you go to churches where they teach you certain truths that are not liberating, you might be confined not to fulfill purpose. I've heard people also teach that, oh, God cannot call you to do these things in the natural. Everything God calls you to has to be spiritual. And if you listen to that long enough, you begin to shut down the abilities that God has given to you. Second Timothy chapter 4, chapter 4 verse 7 to 8. Second Timothy 4, 7 to 8. Let's read from verse 6. This was Paul's final, almost like his final statement to his prodigy, his son in the ministry, Timothy. He says, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. Talking about his death. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. While ultimately what Paul was talking about here is very spiritual, I still feel that these three words... 2 Timothy 4, 7 are the three words that every born-again child of God must aim to say. Number one, I have fought the good fight of faith. Number two, I have finished the race and I've kept the faith. While this is talking about the faith and the gospel, 
Ultimately, you should be able to say these same words for everything God has called you to, to do. You should be able to stand before God and say, Hey, whatever assignment you gave to me, I was able to execute it. Listen, saints, no matter what we achieve on the earth, if we cannot stand before God and repeat these words, we have failed. Either in your spiritual life or in whatever assignment God has given to you, this is the ultimate test to be able to look at people at your time of departure and say, the race and the curse that God is giving to me, I have finished it. I pray for you tonight that the Lord will grant you grace, will grant you insight, will grant you understanding and inner strength to be able to fulfill his purpose for your life. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.